Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 206th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, what's there to banter about? It's, it's nothing. Nothing. What are we going to talk about the weather for the 200th time? No. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> what we're actually going to talk about this episode is uh, the Mizzou football team, mostly. There's some news, there's a season fast approaching. We are going to take a look back at last season, just talk about how things went, try to remember the storylines, what we uh, took away from it at the end of the season, and what threads are still going to carry through uh, into this off season and onto the next football season. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I, uh, when it's like June or something, I'm like, football thoughts are like creeping in my brain, and I gotta, I just try and forget about it because mm-hmm. it'll make the summer feel a lot longer. But it's here, yep. and uh, you, there's no way you can avoid it now. It's it's upon us. Have you been playing some of that NCAA football video <laughs> game? A little bit, yeah. It's that time of year for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, I bought my third copy of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a Just copy. Starting a collection at this point? You know, it's a collector's item. It is. NCAA 14 is a collector's item. There's a new game coming out next year. Hopefully that's good, but I don't have my hopes up. I still think everybody that wants to play an NCAA football video game is going to be going back to the old games. That's but very possible. It's kind of insane like how the market for those used specifically NCAA 14 the the most recent or the last one that was ever made before the hiatus Mm -hmm. they just make that they just don't make games like they used to right Cameron absolutely um so we're gonna talk about last year and we are going to preview the the offense we're gonna go down position by position talk about who we think is gonna be the starters the top contributors and um talk about which position group we think will be the strongest and if we have any doubts in any areas um before we get into all of that don't forget to subscribe on youtube leave us a review on the podcast platform you listen to us on and you can support us directly on patreon patreon.com slash missouri sports pod and just like i said last week this is the perfect time to share the podcast with somebody you know who is a mizzou fan that doesn't already listen to us uh, so that you guys can be on the same page and know uh, everything you need to know going coming into the season. Uh, we have some news. Obviously, the biggest news of the week is we've got a quarterback. Brady Cook is the starting quarterback for week one. But we're not going to get into that right now. When we preview the offense a little bit later in the episode, we will dive all into the quarterback battle and wrap it up now that uh, Brady Cook has been named the starter. So let's talk recruiting for a minute. Uh, literally just an hour ago or so, Miles McVeigh made his decision. He will be, as of right now, going to Alabama to play college football. Still yeah. a ways till signing day, but yeah. that's, that's where he's headed right now. Yeah, there's not really a lot to add to that at this point. Like, I don't know. It seems like Missouri was the front runner early in his, in his recruitment. It seemed like he's um, good friends with Luther Burden. <clears throat> they both are from East St. Louis. I still think that. Like you said, uh, I still think that relationship uh, will have some weight um, when it comes down to signing day, not not predicting a flip or anything like that. But 
obviously Missouri's going to keep recruiting him, and uh, hopefully he's keeping his options open. But um, tough to uh, sway somebody from going to Bama if they're truly wanted there, and it seems like he is. So, yep, good for him. Yep, can't uh, can't blame him. That's for sure. Um, there's some other offensive line targets on the board still, so hopefully we land a couple of them. And um, you know, the in-state situation not as good this year as it was last year, but Coach Drinkwitz and company have proven that they can go get talent from outside the state of Missouri, and I'm including St. Louis and Kansas City areas. But uh, hopefully there's some backup options on the table there from out of state. Uh, some other recruiting tidbits here. Uh, Brayshawn Littlejohn uh, is committing Sunday. I don't know if we talked about him at all on the podcast. I don't think uh, we have. So Great he, name. Yeah, absolutely. That's fun to say, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, he picked up a Mizzou offer not too long ago. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, linebacker from South Carolina. Uh, super under-the-radar guy. Um, like when you go look at his Twitter account, he, I don't know how many followers he has, but like not very much engagement on his tweets, uh, <laughs> is unranked on several recruiting services. I think he recently got a rivals rank uh, as three star, but, uh, staff really likes him. And, um, you know, I think right now he's definitely in that like potential hidden gym category. So hopefully, um, you know, Missouri can, can keep it that way. I know in the past, you know, we're still too, way too far from signing day. But in the past, you know, some players have said stuff like, yeah, the coaches kind of wanted me to keep my offer on the DL for a little bit until we got to signing day so that, um, you know, other teams wouldn't discover me. And I think if we were a little closer to signing day, I think uh, Brayshawn Littlejohn could be in that category of like, yeah, just keep this under wraps for a little while because we don't want you blowing up. I definitely think that could happen now that he's got um, a little bit more notoriety. But he's going to announce his commitment on Sunday, uh, August 13th and I would be pretty surprised if it's not Missouri at this point. Yeah, I'm looking at his other offers. Um, Air Force, Army, Colorado, um, Middle Tennessee. Yeah, very under-the-radar recruit that mm-hmm. uh, hopefully got in on at the right time. Um, anything else football recruiting? Uh, I just want to mention <clears throat> one other guy who Missouri offered this week, another linebacker, Antoine Hayden, uh, who is from St. Louis. He's currently committed to Illinois. And I think Missouri has a pretty good chance of flipping him at some point. Don't know when that will happen, um, if it does happen. But I think that's a real possibility that, that Hayden um, goes. I mean, I'd, I don't even know if he'll come to Missouri. I just think that he's probably not going to Illinois. Mm-hmm. I think Missouri is a very realistic destination for him. He's an outside linebacker. Sounds good so to me. So keep your uh, keep your keep monitoring that situation. Uh, let's see here. Um, Mizzou hired former linebacker Brandon Lee as an assistant AD specifically for NIL. Uh, he previously worked at Notre Dame. His position there was something like player development player professional development or something like that yeah so it seems like he's been in sort of the business side of uh, college football for a little bit yeah I feel like I remember that about him as a player that you know he was like touted as like a really smart guy good academics and was like going through the business program and everything so that doesn't surprise me that he has kind of had a a good career outside of football um, since Mm -hmm. he's graduated yeah good to have him back home Mm mm-hmm 
Uh, and then the last little bit of news I have is basketball-related. Um, East St. Louis forward McCaleb Rich announced the top five schools of Mizzou, Kansas State, Ole Miss, Eastern Michigan, and Illinois Chicago. Mm-hmm. He is 6'6", three-star forward, uh, like I said, from East St. Louis. And I think he has a date picked out maybe like the end of September Yeah, uh, that he's committing. 26th, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Missouri has a really good shot here. I think they are definitely higher on him than the consensus. Like, mm-hmm. uh, again, it kind of sounds like um, Gates is kind of jumping out in front of a, of a guy who might blow up. And, uh, you know, this seems like I've just been blown away with their talent evaluation so far. I think they're doing such a great job, like, scouring for talent and maybe some undiscovered guys and, and some guys that are very well known. You know, they're recruiting everybody at this point, but... Um, they're doing a phenomenal job in the recruiting game, and, uh, man, it's it's exciting to follow. Yeah, I wonder how many times uh, we're going to be going up against Kansas State in some of these recruiting battles because, obviously, Jerome Tang was a name that was thrown out for the Mizzou job, and with them both, with him and Gates both taking over at the same time, mm-hmm. if they are competing for recruits as well, which you typically are with Kansas State and Missouri. Sure. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how those battles uh, end up. Yeah, you mentioned uh, before we started recording that Kansas State is the number one player from Illinois and Texas. Yeah, so both four-star players already committed to Kansas State. I feel like Tang had kind of a slow start there, but it sounds like maybe they're they're getting going a little bit now. Yeah, uh, so yeah, Missouri and Kansas State kind of mirroring each other. Both have two commits, both pretty good prospects, mm-hmm. uh, both out of state. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is about coaching changes, but sometimes it's just you got to inject some new blood in there, get get a little energy boost, and as everybody is well aware, that a coaching change can definitely do that. Yeah, and I feel like this staff, well, I mean, we've raved about it since it was assembled, but just high-energy recruiters who, yeah. I mean, they just live and breathe it. Right, and I think that, you know, we've talked about that, you know, when we were kind of talking about what kind of, what kind of candidate are you looking for and before they hired Gates? And, you know, you can try and, you know, hire some retread, you know, some older guy who's been around the block a little bit. But I am always drawn to those younger guys who are kind of up and comers because it seems like they are not going to be outworked by anybody. And yeah. so far that seems to fit perfectly with, with Gates and, and the rest of the crew. Absolutely. Um, okay, then... We're ready to take a look back at last year's uh, football season. And um, I don't know, this will just be kind of free form, get our thoughts on different events from the season. Um, last year, this time last year, it was like, hey, this is Connor Bazelak's team. And let's see what he and Tyler Beatty can do. We've got Kiki Chisholm coming back decent receiving core Mm -hmm. some young guys uh we had snagged mookie cooper in the transfer portal um things were looking up for the offense had a good first year with drinkwitz too like surpassed expectations in year one with drinkwitz going 500 in that all sec um covid season was honestly pretty huge yeah and i feel like there was some cautious optimism but the feeling was like we've got sort of the building blocks of what the offense is going to look like for the next two or three seasons. Yeah. 
and defensively i feel like there weren't that many question marks obviously replacing nick bolton was always going to be incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. but blaze aldridge was a highly touted transfer you know all conference player at rice and i don't know i feel like there was some decent optimism i don't Mm -hmm. um new defensive coordinator yeah um but i don't know I, i things didn't quite go as planned we were few plays away from like winning two more games yet it feels like we were lucky to win six games at the same time almost yeah yeah i feel like last year was just really bizarre and it did kind of it was disappointing based on like everything we knew like you said going into the season uh yeah it was where we ended up was was disappointing and just some strange storylines and i kind of just feel like we saw what happens in a long season when you don't have enough depth and guys are getting injured and you I think you see the bad side of a coaching change when there are players a lot you know most of the contributors on the team are were recruited by somebody else in a different regime I think that is what can happen and you can run out of steam and you can have locker room issues and you can have guys that are causing issues and um, guys that don't want to be coached by you know I think just you know at first there's some charm but I think in that second year, we really kind of saw some of that charm run out with the players from like the previous squad mm-hmm. for sure, the pre the previous coaching staff, yeah. and it caused some issues. Um, the first few games, we immediately saw that there was something wrong with the defense. Um, the Central Michigan game went fine, but and they were an okay team. They won nine games. Central Michigan won nine games last year, so that wasn't too alarming, honestly. Uh, and then the, the Kentucky game, we were a couple plays from winning that. Mm-hmm. And, but that never should have been that close. Uh, Chris Rodriguez fumbled the ball like at the goal line twice in <laughs> yeah. that game. Yeah, it was, it was weird to see like how things change throughout the year too. Like with the offense kind of coming out swinging at the beginning of the year and totally fizzling out like halfway through the year. And that obviously that has a lot to do with what I was talking about earlier. But, um, yeah, and just the, the defense was atrocious from the get-go and, you know, trying to implement a brand-new scheme um, with a brand-new coordinator and everything. There was just, I don't know, I feel like there was just maybe too much change going on on the, on the defensive side. And it was like, you know, the, the defense and the offense were both pretty good at certain times in the season but never at the same time. Yeah, um, the – the, the run defense was, like, historically bad. Yeah. I mean, there were some crazy statistics from the first half of the season. Um, they did – I mean, there were some good running backs that they went up against. Uh, Lou Nichols, mm-hmm. um, Chris Rodriguez, uh, Kentucky's – Kentucky had that whole revamped offense that they're bringing back this year with yeah. uh, Will Levis. And yeah, they did lose their OC, though. That's true. But still, yeah, Levis is a good quarterback. But – yeah, we did face some good rushers. I feel like it was the worst against Tennessee. I feel like that was like rock bottom. Yeah, Tennessee uh, scored 62 points, and that was a home game for Missouri, and it was embarrassing. Josh Heupel got to just come in and run all over us. And earlier in that in that week, I'm pretty sure some of the Tennessee running – one of the Tennessee running backs was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have fun on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, and then they did. Yeah, he was looking at uh, – Going into that game, Missouri, I think, was, like, dead last in run, rush defense. I'm sure. And then Tennessee ran for, like, 7,000 yards, I think. Yeah, there was, like, at one point um, in the season where it was, like, if we if we allowed, like, 
20 rushing yards for every game the rest of the season we're still going to be in last place like it was like yeah. that we were so far in last place i think you could have put kickapoo high school out there they might have stopped their own better than mizzou what's doing at some point yeah i remember comparing missouri's defensive uh statistics to georgia's last year yeah. who was like averaging like six points per game <laughs> and missouri was averaging six points per more than six points per quarter given yeah. up like in the first six games yeah, there's um, definitely some games that hurt. The Kentucky game was close, and the Boston College is one that was just we should have won. And yeah, that was uh, like Mevis won the game basically, or like, and then we gave it up again. I can't remember how that went down exactly, yeah, we, but yeah, I feel like we had it. Like we did the thing to like win the game, and it was like wow, we actually did it. And then it was like overtime; they just scored immediately or something. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was going to mention there was like a pretty good slate of running backs that were taking advantage of mm -hmm. Missouri's defense. But then also Boston College's Pat Garwo III uh, had seven yards per carry, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So it was just everybody. Yeah. Um, Missouri beat North Texas and then had a, kind of a sleeper of a game against Texas A&M was like top five in the country at yeah, that point I think they were like supposed to be they the, um, just beat Alabama maybe yeah they were supposed to be the team that you would think would run for 300 yards against yeah. Missouri and maybe they still did but it didn't seem like as scary they they didn't seem as scary as some of those other teams they I think Missouri's defense was starting to improve a little bit at that point yeah I would agree with you although Vanderbilt did score 28 points and uh that was a game that was way closer than it should have been mm -hmm. it's like a two-point game in the fourth quarter uh vanderbilt won two games all season right and their quarterback uh was just running all over missouri's defense yeah and yeah. uh that was the hail mary uh halftime from Bazelak to kiki chisholm yeah Bazelak's best throw of the season just yeah. like uh just bomb it to the end zone just throw it as far as you can because we might as well that was basically his best throw uh, Tyler Macon came in for an injured Bazelak at the end of that game. Closed it out. And um, rushed for a touchdown. And that was kind of when we started thinking, like, what, uh, you know, Bazelak had made some, he had been okay so far and with a better defense I, and that, you know, you somehow you take advantage of the lucky bounces against Kentucky and win that game and um, don't throw the game away against Boston College. And we're thinking like, oh, yeah, Bazelak's doing fine. This is a decent team. Nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. But his bad throws, his, you know, random just awful interceptions. Yeah, just unbelievable low, like, average depth of target. Like, just throwing yes. the ball, like, basically not farther than five yards down the field. Like, just yeah. got, like, Coach Trinquitz has used the phrase bunker mentality, like, a few times at this camp in interviews, which is exactly what they did. And, I mean, it is exactly what happened last year where they just could not close out close games like they were it's like they were playing afraid uh they were not taking any chances Bazelak throwing the ball five yards at a time or less you know there's just those things like in the second half of the year it's like they just flipped to this scared style of play and I'm not really sure what happened um Missouri lost to Georgia 43 to 6 uh that's gonna happen when you play the eventual national champions um 
but then bounced back with wins over South Carolina and a miracle of a win against Florida. That was honestly that was fun. Uh, that's going to be a a game we look back on just of Eli Drinkwitz's whole career, and that's that's a pretty big moment. Getting uh, Dan Mullen fired. Yeah, going for two in overtime. Overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Just like floating pass yeah, to like Daniel f- Parker Jr. Falling down as he threw it. Yeah. Um. What a decision, though, by Drinkwitz to to go for two there. Could have tied it up. Went for the two in the win. Got it. That was, yeah, kind of ballsy. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Uh, then uh, closed the season by losing to Arkansas 34-17. Uh, Arkansas was way better than I thought they were going to be, yeah. and uh, that was not fun to mm-hmm. see. And then lost the bowl game to Army. Tyler Ray didn't play in that game. And we haven't really talked about Beatty much, but he carried the offense, especially the second half of the season. They basically stopped giving the ball to any other running back, and he had an incredible amount of carries, 1,600 yards on the season. And, um, But he maybe wasn't the MVP of the season. It may have been um, Harrison Mavis. <laughs> they, both of those guys played out of their minds. and Yeah. The Missouri offense didn't deserve oh, yeah. those two players. Statistics-wise, Tyler Beatty had one of the most impressive seasons I've ever seen from a Missouri Tiger. And, uh, you know, I, in some ways I kind of feel like Missouri squandered that talent a little bit. In other ways I kind of feel like in a, if Missouri's better, there's no way Tyler Beatty puts up those kind of numbers. Yeah. Just because he's all we had. Yeah. There was nothing else we could do, at least that's, that, that's what it felt like. You know, we try to pass – Basilak is just going to get picked off. He's going to not be aggressive enough. So might as well just give the ball to Tyler Beatty literally 30 times a game and see what happens. Yeah, I think he had the most uh, receptions on the team as well. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So um, they ended up 6-6 uh, six and six in the regular season, lost the bowl game, but I don't know, chalk that up to no Tyler Beatty. Uh, the... The running game was solid all year, and not just because of Beatty. Uh, I think the offensive line run blocking was solid all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you go back pass and watch, protection wasn't awful either. Yeah, yeah. If you go back and watch some Tyler Beatty highlights, like pay attention to the holes he's running through. Not to take away anything away from him, but uh, the O line, yeah, like you said, was was pretty sneaky effective in the run game last year, and we're really open up some holes for sure. Yeah, and Elijah Young had some good plays too, running through those big holes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense, though, definitely turned it around and was serviceable right. second half of the season. Yeah, it seemed like they kind of maybe simplified the scheme, which I, in some ways I just, why didn't they do that from the get-go? But they it seemed like they kind of dumbed down the scheme a little bit and just simplified it, maybe kind of reverted back to some stuff they were doing earlier. Uh, Chad Bailey was like a huge part of that, came in and kind of like anchored the – the middle of the defense a little bit and so i was excited to see him finally come around i know he's he was kind of a highly recruited guy that didn't see the field much until last year but um there's some things that encourage you about the future of the defense for sure that you saw at the end of the last year yeah i feel like um blaze aldrich was a guy like after the first six games the fans were done with him yeah and he kind of salvaged an okay season and uh yeah in the eyes of the fan base at least i think it's just tough to like you just don't know how much of that was the guy's performance and how much was the scheme. And I think we were kind of trying to decipher that 
last year like are these are we terrible is the scheme just messing with our minds like what's going on and you know looking back i think a lot of it was scheme and those guys probably you know could have performed better even not know even not having the scheme down very well but yeah i definitely feel like uh, blaze kind of took a lot of heat for what was happening yeah it was like these guys they are more talented than what than the level they're performing at. sure i think there was still a talent and uh depth deficit yeah. but yes they still should have been better than what they were i mean they yeah. were uh, historically terrible yeah there's a bad, bad combination of uh not enough talent and they the scheme is falling apart yes <laughs> um so now i feel like transitioning into this year and with this off season we had um i feel like the defense is you know we've got a decent amount of starters coming back we've got guys like chad bailey who showed that they're ready to take the next step going into you know a full season as the starter um we've got chris abrams drain we're going to talk about the defense in more depth next week but just big picture i feel like the defense is kind of like we should know that they're going to be okay yeah that we we there's no reason to think we're going to have any, you know, major meltdowns where a team runs for 300 yards on us right. just yeah. out of nowhere. Definitely has made some some key acquisitions in the transfer portal this offseason. I think another year of development for some talented guys, some younger guys, and then some good leaders on, on the team like Chris Abrams-Drain and Martez Manuel, I think is a, a good formula for a much, much improved defense. Now, offense, it's almost like the reset button has been hit almost i mean that's gonna happen when you have a new starting quarterback and the quarterback continuity has been non-existent the the since drew lock years yeah. yeah um it's honestly crazy to think about yeah drew lock's final season then we've had basically a new quarterback almost every year yeah and multiple starters within each of those seasons um so I don't know. Anything else about last year before we transition into talking about this year's offense? I think that's pretty much it. Um, we're going to save quarterback talk for last. We're going to make them wait on it. Okay. Um, we've been teasing it multiple times, but I want to talk about the offensive line. So uh, a lot, we talked about last year. They were pretty solid. We've got a handful of seniors uh, returning. I'm pretty optimistic about the offensive line. Uh, you want to break down the players that uh, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about yeah i feel i feel pretty good about the offensive line um i think depth wise it's looking pretty good um hopefully we're not going to be dealing with any injuries but i think if if injuries do arise i think it will will be okay hopefully uh but for the starters um kind of feel like Javon foster is a lock at left tackle uh xavier delgado most likely going to start at left guard uh, Connor Tolleson is the redshirt freshman who's most likely going to be starting at center. I think he had a good chance to win the job outright anyway, but over uh, Benz Polger. Oh yeah, Benz Polger is is uh, he's going to miss the season because he was ruled ineligible. He's the transfer from Buffalo. I th- those guys were going to we're going to battle for the center position. I think Connor Tolleson. Yeah, like I said, I, he he might have won outright, but he almost certainly will be starting at center now. Uh, Connor Wood, I think, will probably start at right guard. I think he had a pretty good season last year. He looked kind of versatile. He played a little all over the place. Transferred from an FCS school. Montana? I believe, yeah, something like that. Montana State or something like that. But he was uh, better than I thought he was going to be. I think he's pretty much a surefire starter. 
And then uh, at right tackle, um, Hyron White is like pro is definitely starting if he's healthy. I think he'll miss a few weeks probably at the beginning of the year, and hopefully he's ready to go pretty early on. But while he's uh, sitting out, I think Zeke Powell will probably um, get to start at right tackle. Um, there's definitely like some depth pieces that probably won't start or play a whole lot unless there's injuries that have had to play in the past quite a bit. Um, like Luke Griffin is a guy that's played a lot um, in the past, and I think he can be heavily relied upon. He's probably like like a, a tier of his own as far as like kind of that sixth man that okay. will come in if there's any injuries on the interior probably. Um, some new guys um, that that could get some playing time is like EJ uh, Nadoma Ogar from transfer from Oklahoma, and uh, Drake Heismeyer is a guy who probably will back up at center. Um, a couple of names that have been around the program for a long time that will be probably depth at tackle is Bobby Lawrence and Mitchell Walters. I think both uh, Missouri guys, and then uh, true freshman Armand Mimbao is getting some good. Uh, chatter from camp and uh, you know I don't know that he'll play a whole lot this year but probably could if he had to and will probably look to develop into a a really good player I mean by next year or his or his uh his third season but um it sounds like you know just like freshmen and true freshmen on the line that's just really really rare that those Mm -hmm. guys come in and are ready to contribute even if there are injuries but sounds like Mimbao's um had a really good camp so I'm counting uh, basically, no matter what, four seniors starting on the offensive line, yeah. whether it's Hyron White or Zeke Powell. For sure. That's what it looks like. I like that. It that is good for this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Got to reload. Right. But, yeah, I think the line could be could be really good this year for sure. Those guys have played together for a long time. And and uh, there is some balance there with uh, Tolleson being a redshirt freshman and uh, – you know, EJ, you know, being a sophomore. So I think, yeah, there's definitely some youth. Yeah. There's options for the future, but just looking at this year and like we said, offensive line did okay to above average last year. I think we're looking good there. Yeah. We'll see if they're, if they make uh we'll see if they're our top position group on the offense. We'll see. Uh, next up, let's talk about the tight ends. I don't want to disparage anybody, but this is a little bit of a yikes yeah. situation at tight end for me. Just uh, even if we're just talking about experience and like recruiting rankings, anything that forecasts into production, yeah, none of it's there. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure we have a tight end on the roster that's caught a pass for the Missouri Tigers. No, I don't think so. I know Ryan Horsecamp has, has played, but I'm not sure he's caught a pass. And if he hasn't, I don't think anybody else has. So is he is he on the field he's, the first snap of the season? I think so. He's got to be tied in one. I think, you know, he was really like probably the main guy out of this group that had some recruiting pedigree, like a uh, four-star player from Missouri, definitely had some power five teams that were that were really interested. And it was that was a big win for Missouri. Um, but you know, he's, he's going to have to be relied upon pretty quickly. And I feel like tight end, a lot like offensive line is one of those positions that it's, it's difficult. You're blocking and you're receiving it's You're in the backfield. Sometimes it's versatile and yeah. you have to know the playbook and it can just take guys 
a really long time like nfl too like it just those tight ends take a long time to develop and and get up to speed or where they need to be so we're kind of relying on horse camp to that he's developed quickly and that um he's ready to go because he's gonna have to be so um the other guy that could be out on the field snap one is tyler stevens the transfer from buffalo he's a junior Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he but Trans- nope, not much production. Right. Transferring up from a lower level in which he didn't have a lot of production. Yeah. I think he had, I don't know, less, less than 20 catches for 150 yards or so. Yeah. 15 catches, 157 yards, and one touchdown. Yeah. I was going to ask you, does he have more or less than 15 catches, 175 yards, and one touchdown, assuming he plays two more years at Mizzou? Does he have more or less than that? again i'll say yes but i don't more or less more more yes i'll say sorry i don't know why i said (laughs) yes uh i i'll say more just because it's a pretty low bar to clear and there's just so little competition in that room is for meaningful snaps honestly and um, if he can go out there and prove he can catch the ball uh he'll be on the field yeah i'm looking at uh who caught passes from the tight end spot last year obviously daniel parker jr uh but Nico Hay had 18 yeah. receptions. To mm-hmm. He had some big plays in the Florida game. Yeah. Uh, 18 receptions for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Daniel Parker Jr. had three touchdowns on just 12 receptions. And Messiah Swinson had five catches for 46 yards. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think how little tight end production we've had since Albert O. Yeah. Just nobody, no consistency in that room. I mean, Daniel Parker Jr. was there, but he didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I mean... You can, t- you can tell him I said that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, anybody else tight in that will catch a ball this year? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think Gavin McKay was a guy that I think was the same recruiting class as as Ryan uh, Horsecamp and maybe kind of more of a receiving threat. Um, kind of has that... Looked like he had that ceiling like to be able to do that, but... Um, needed some needed some development for sure, and I think he'll see the field, and maybe they can use him in some special packages and stuff to get the ball in his hands, just see what happens, get him some confidence. And uh, Max Wisner is a true freshman, and like I said, I just man, I have a really really hard time seeing a true freshman coming in and competing. But if it's ever going to happen, it's probably going to be this year. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he's out there a little bit too. Okay, bold prediction from me, Tyler Stevens. He will have more. He's going to have 16 catches this season. Oh, that's bold. That's, it's happening. He's going to outdo his, his personal record. You, yes. you like him, huh? I don't know if I would go that far, but uh, he's. I think he's going to... He's tied in one? I think so. Okay. Yeah. By the end of the... Halfway through the season, I think he'll be seeing way more snaps than anybody else. A couple years older than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, he's got the measurables and everything. Uh, All right, moving on to running back. So when you are replacing one of the most productive running backs in the history of the program, uh, and we just did that the year before and was incredibly lucky to go from Larry Roundtree to Tyler Beatty. Nothing like that is happening this year, unfortunately. I mean, that's we literally don't have a Tyler Beatty caliber player ready to step up at running back um we do have elijah young who had some carries last year made some good plays um scored a touchdown or two 
Um, and we've got Nathaniel Pete, the transfer from Stanford. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think those are the two guys that'll probably have the most carries this year. I think you're sleeping on Cody Schrader. Okay. He's RB1. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the Mizzou super fans would, would tell you, watch out for Cody Schrader, but I, I'm not so sure that's a thing. Um, talk about it, talk about transferring up. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'll get back to him in a second, but okay. I agree with okay. you. Uh, I, I really don't see a whole lot of carries uh, outside of Pete and Elijah Young. I mean, it's tough to know what Drinkwitz wants to do. I mean, um, he's had that guy, that go-to guy every year at Mizzou, and then his one year of coaching at Appalachian State, he can't remember the guy's name, but he's in the NFL now. Yeah. And so all three years of his head coaching career so far, he's had an absolute like bona fide stud that, like, how do you go away from? And so we really don't know what he's going to do when he has a little bit more ambiguity in the position. So I still think he's going to ride those guys too, pretty hard. Um, Elijah Young has showed, you know, he's been in the program for three or four years now at this point, probably three, mm-hmm. and has some serious speed and, you know, maybe uh, could be pretty productive this year. I think you could maybe see Michael Cox in there at the goal line a little bit. But, um, you know, I, you know, never know what's going to happen with Devoris Jones. I think he's probably the most talented guy um, in this room by far. Highest ceiling, yeah. Definitely. Um, you might see him get in there some, but I don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how he kind of cycles through these guys if he doesn't have kind of a dominant uh, guy that he just, want, just wants to go to every play. Uh, but, yeah, Cody Schrader, walk on from Truman State. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the most productive numbers like you've ever seen at Truman State but that is a humongous leap from like basically D2 to SEC yeah that's insane that's a huge that's a huge jump but you know he's he's fun to watch uh on Instagram and stuff so he's been (laughs) doing the drills and stuff he's he's got some some uh some quick feet for sure um I think I'm a little worried that Coach Drinkwitz will kind of maybe try to force Pete into the workhorse role my fear is that he that coach Drinkwitz and his play calling and stuff and we'll I'll touch on this again when we talk about quarterback but I'm afraid he might revert back to some of just riding the running back into the ground and trying to hold on to wins or you know right um outlast the other team I don't I don't think he would have done that so much last year if that wasn't in him a little bit (laughs) to just that tendency Mm. as a coach, as a play caller, and then add in having Tyler Beatty to rely on. And it's just like almost why wouldn't you do that? Right. Um, He's said everything he needs to say this offseason about moving away from those tendencies. But I worry that he's going to try to do something like that with a group of running backs who just aren't up to the task. Yeah. I I could see that potentially. I think that the wide receivers are a little more explosive this year. I think Brady will maybe want to push the ball, hopefully a little bit more down the field than Bazelak was doing. Uh, one thing that I think is possible is actually like maybe the opposite, where because he's referenced it openly so many times, I'm almost wondering if he's going to like try and overcorrect. Well, yeah, I could see that early in the season, maybe, and especially. You know the running. We don't have a Tyler Baby. We don't have a Larry Roundtree. That mm-hmm. like early on, it's like very aggressive play calling. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, if Cook doesn't deliver immediately, consistently, then there may be a little bit of a adjustment back to the old way of doing things. Yeah. That I hope not. I mean, I kind of want him to just 
stick with it and yeah. keep trying to air it out. Oh, me and too. Keep I trying mean, to make plays. Yeah, sports are supposed to be entertaining, and that's what <laughs> we all want to see. Yeah. And last year, whenever we kind of had that like uh, effort mentality, because we're losing, might as well just play more aggressive. We mm-hmm. were we look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I even mean, just like end of halves, end of games, exactly. Just like, that's like we when have all of our, to push the ball, and yeah. they could make stuff happen. That's when our production happened. Was when the backs were against the wall, and we had nothing to lose. Yeah. So I want us to play more like that this year. But I mean, you know, the first play of the game of the first game is going to be you know some like bomb to like Mookie Cooper. Like I don't know if he's going to catch it or not, but they're going to try it. It's like I can just foresee it already. They're going to come out swinging on like the first play of the game. The the deep route is going to be a decoy. And they're going to throw a screen. Okay. Still the Mookie Cooper, though. Oh, maybe. Yeah, he can do it both. Um, okay, let's talk about the wide receivers. And you have anything else on running back? I don't think so. I'm worried about this drop-off, but I hope that I hope that the runs, the rushes, are just integrated in well enough into the offense, and the offensive line makes some holes that yeah. we don't – it's not so jarring. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not worried about the running backs at all. Um I think with with like the combination of the offensive line, like you said, and these guys are not scrubs. These mm-hmm. guys are good players. Um, running back's a fairly replaceable position. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about it. I think we'll be fine. Okay, I'm with you. All right, uh, wide receiver, maybe the best uh, position group on the whole team. Um, I think the three players that are going to be on the field the most: Towski Dove, Dominic Lovett, Luther Burden. Pretty hard, to, pretty hard to argue that, for sure. I could see some argument for Barrett Bannister. Um, and then, honestly, I just feel like there's a... Tell me if I'm forgetting anyone or if you disagree. I feel like there's a top six of Dove, Lovett, Burden, Chance Looper, Mookie Cooper, and Barrett Bannister. Yep, that's the six I've, I've got right now. And down. that's going to be, like... Basically it. All the targets yep. are going to go to those guys. I agree. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a fantastic group of wide receivers. Yeah, get your, get your talent the ball. I mean, I don't know why we need to have 12 different guys running around out there. I mean, um, I think, you know, uh, Makai Miller is uh, a talented fr- true freshman who is a spring enrollee who could, you know, see the field in some special teams situations or maybe some a few uh, plays where they kind of scheme him the ball just to get him some confidence. But for the most part, yeah, I, I don't see many targets going outside of those six guys. Yeah, and I think like uh, if he was on last year's team, Miller would take the Dominic Lovett type role of like the freshman that we get you know get involved early. Right. But you don't really need that this year outside of Luther Burden. Right. Um, and I think the balance between Dove, who is a senior, he's been around, mm-hmm. he's made big plays, he's got chemistry, he knows the offense. Right. And then one stair step down to Dominic Lovett, who is insanely athletic, has all the physical tools you need, and showed flashes last year, and now has another offseason to solidify himself and know exactly where he needs to be every play. Yeah. And then Luther Burden, the five-star freshman who you want with the ball in his hand as much as possible. That group of wide receivers, those three guys that I think is going to start, that's perfect balance yeah complementary roles for sure. and abilities i'm super excited for yeah those three. i love the i love the diversity of roles in the room and yeah barrett banister and uh towski dove i almost kind of use similarly where 
they're not as athletic um not going to stretch the field as much but yeah they're just the go-to hands guys on third down move the chains and yeah dominic lovett is and luther burden are kind of the all do it all kind of guys and mookie cooper is the specialist and uh can take a screen to the house or he can he can you know run a go route and yeah. just beat you that way so yeah and, and uh chance looper showed plays last year where he was able yeah. to um make some moves in the open field once he got the ball right um i would put him kind of in that uh step down from lovett and burden but the same type of receiver where you just kind of want to get him the ball and see what they can do yeah still been in the program for for three years i think that's that's a pretty good uh, measure of, of a guy that's that's ready to break out for sure. Is kind of a highly rated, uh, highly rated recruit who's been in the program for a couple of years. You always have to, you know, keep monitoring those guys. But I feel like Dominic Lovett is maybe the the sexy pick for breakout player of the year for sure. I mean, it's just like how can you not mm-hmm. think about Dominic Lovett and his his potential? What he showed last year as a freshman was really impressive, and um, you know, just uh, a smart guy who I think could uh, could definitely take a huge step. And one thing with such a talented wide receiver room is I feel like the pressure is off Mookie Cooper. I yep. feel like transferring to Missouri as this highly recruited player from Ohio State of all places, I feel like there was a little bit of pressure last year to kind of be like, no, really, I I was a yeah. you know highly I was a high four star guy and to come in immediately, yeah, and um, that was never gonna work. You know, he need just like most players he needs reps he needs time in the system to figure things out and i think with luther burden getting the spotlight and enough guys going in and out i think the pressure's off mookie cooper to do anything crazy he just needs to be there uh coach drinkwitz has talked him up as having a really good summer of camp mm-hmm. and practices and um yeah i mean yeah, I think we, I, we mentioned it maybe last week that Drinkwood said he maybe had the best summer of mm-hmm. anybody um, on the team. And a guy like Mookie Cooper is just so uh, valuable to the success of the offense and, like, into every play. Not, not just, like, what he's doing, like, actually physically catching the ball, but he's just creating that threat that's stretching the field. And whether, he, yeah, like, he's a decoy or whether he's actually receiving the ball – he is just in the back of the defense's mind at all times. Like, we got to keep an eye on this guy. I mean, he's like, you know, I'm not comparing him to this player, but think about Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. where, you know, Tyreek's all over the place and making the defense respect him and, and play off of him, and it just opens up opportunities for other players too, like underneath. And I think we'll see that from Cooper, Lovett, and Burden. They're just good enough athletes that we're going to see them all over the formation you know, motioning into the backfield, mm-hmm. running jet sweeps, running fake sweeps, you know, as a decoy, all of that kind of stuff, like you're saying, will be instrumental in the offense doing what it needs to do. And now we finally can talk about who will be getting these guys the ball, and it is Brady Cook. Um, after an offseason of courting just about every transfer quarterback imaginable and coming up empty on every single one of them, I mean, not every single one. I mean, basically, <laughs> uh, eventually getting a transfer quarterback in Jack Abraham, 27 years old. I mean, maybe literally, I don't even know. I think maybe, um, I think he's fourth string. He might be. I think he would. I hope he is. If they played tomorrow, I think he would be the fourth quarterback to come into the game. It's very possible. Um, we'll get there though. Brady cook QB one, um, Played some last year, 
nobody looked all that great on offense last year, but he had some moments when he did get a chance. Um, only threw the ball 58 times, but completed 79% of his passes, but only uh, just under six yards per attempt. The longest completion was only 23 yards. He had two touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He did have to play against Georgia. That's true. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know. Georgia in the bowl game is, is right. basically all that is. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I'm excited about Brady Cook. I think the team is behind him, and uh, he seems like a, a good leader and, and is really popular with, with the team. And I think that's important for morale and and all that. But he did uh, – did I just say he did have to play against Georgia? I already said that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an incredibly tough game to have to play. And the bowl game, he had to play without, without Tyler Beatty. So right. he definitely was facing some challenges. And uh, But I think one underrated aspect of his game is his ability to run. And I think he did that really well in the bowl game at times. I, I was just watching the highlights earlier today where our first touchdown in the game, he they ran like an, kind of an option play. And he faked the pitch to the mm-hmm. running back and just took it himself, ran it like 30, 35 yards for a touchdown. And He's got some wheels, man. Um, I think that can add a really exciting element to the offense if he's willing to do that consistently. It just at least create the threat that he can, I think, can do a lot of good stuff for the offense. Yeah. Um, Tristan, uh, listener Tristan in the Discord said that he thinks a Brady Cook rushing touchdown will be the first touchdown scored of the season. And I think that's a pretty good prediction. That's a good prediction. Do something, something, uh, kind of fakey yeah get, kinda get, get down to the goal line look creative i could see him you know rolling out and then just walking into the end zone yeah i like the sound of that um he had a beautiful pass to luther burden in the spring game yeah that's like i i consistently reference that play in my head when i think about brady cook like i just was an absolutely beautiful throw and catch both from both yeah. of them um that's just like man i hope we we see a lot of this that, a lot of that this year and i hope that brady has continue to develop because if he can do that with any consistency he's he's going to be pretty solid he's in a good spot to let the receivers make him look good yeah and i'm not just talking about you know short passes that they take uh for yards after the catch that pat his stats or whatever i'm talking about if he gives them a chance to go up and make a play on the ball in one-on-one coverage situations i think they're going to make him look good for pulling the trigger on these throws mm-hmm and um dove and burden especially i think are the type of guys that just go up and catch anything yeah and you know you don't want to make dumb throws in in bad situations but if they're going to be trying to push the ball down the field part of that is just allowing your receiver to beat their guy and um, yeah, i think there's going to be a lot more of that this yeah. year just let the athletes make a play and that's that throw and catch yeah uh, in the just, spring game is exactly that exactly just just uh trust that your receiver is gonna be better than the than the corner on this play and just put it put it where it needs to be but i definitely just think brady cook offers that high floor um that maybe nobody else on the roster offers where he's just gonna you know exactly what you're gonna get from him and he's gonna play as hard as he can every single play and i think that's one thing i love about him is um just he's very i this sounds like a bad thing but he's just really safe i think he's like he is uh we we know exactly what we're gonna get and i think that's uh, that's exciting he is definitely a much higher energy guy than connor bays like oh was. for sure and i think that's part of what kind of rallies the team around him mm-hmm. is he gets fired up after plays for and, sure um i just don't think we're ever gonna see 
a spiral out of control like we saw last year. I don't think we're ever going to see a situation where he and coach are like not seeing eye to eye. I think they have a good chemistry and I, I think Brady's really coachable. And I think that that connection, I'm way less worried about that connection than I was with Bazelak. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you there. Now, this whole offseason up until just yesterday has been a three. It, it was like we've got Cook and Macon coming back. We're adding Sam Horn, but he's not an early enrollee or anything like that. Um, and then we add in Jack Abraham, who is not the type of player that you're bringing in to start immediately. Um, so it was, by all accounts, according to Coach Drinkwitz, a total wide-open four-man competition for starting quarterback. And he, I don't know if he lied or was just a little bit misleading with the media. He said last week that after this week's uh, practices, he would know who the starting quarterback is, or he thought he would know confidently. And but he also said that he didn't think he was going to announce it and went as quick as the media would like. Right. Which we've been talking all off season. Like he's probably not going to tell anybody until we're just going to have to see who's warming up with the ones before the game. I was shocked that they just announced that out of the blue the yeah. other night. Yeah. Which I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to read too much into that, but that's so unlike coach Drinkwitz. I feel like. I feel like he's played games with injuries and stuff before. Like, uh, I don't know. We'll yeah. see you at game time what happens. For sure. Just not wanting to tip things off to the other team. Mm-hmm. But uh, He doesn't respect Louisiana Tech. What, is that I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tech. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He doesn't respect Lu- them. Louisiana Tech, prepare for Brady Cook all you want. It's yeah, not going to matter. We're, we're, we're SEC, man. We'll steamroll you. Yeah. yeah, that could be it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like there's some confidence yeah. there in, you know, maybe – is there a chance that uh, there's a little bit of a mind game happening where coach Drinkwitz knows, uh, you know, he needed to just come out strong behind a guy to kind of rally the troops around that quarterback. Very possible. Like in a way, I kind of feel like this was always the plan and uh, yeah, just, just let Brady know he's the man and really dominate the reps in practice too. like, just make sure he's getting almost all the reps of the ones and uh, give him that confidence that he's got that he's got the confidence of coach too in the game, yeah. and that if, if he makes a mistake, he's not going to get pulled and that kind right. of stuff. So yeah, I I like it. I was really surprised. Um, I really thought we would be potentially uh, trying to look for a depth chart game week or something mm-hmm. just to see who the starter was going to be. But in the back of my mind, I kind of felt like maybe this was what was always going to happen. And well, not with the timing of the announcement, but right. just that Brady Cook would would win the job, and uh, I'm happy for him. I see, you know, he's kind of kind of he just deserves it in a way you know and had a lot of opportunities to uh go somewhere else or look for other opportunities and but clearly like uh just has a passion for the state of missouri and uh university of missouri and gotta love that yeah um so behind cook i think honestly if uh game one brady cook goes down with injury i think sam horn comes in the game do you really i think I was going to say Macon, but that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I, I like yeah, Macon wouldn't shock me either. Now, uh, maybe I could I could see a situation where Tyler Macon is actually the quarterback that you bring in in an injury to in try like to win this game. Emergency scenario. Yeah. Yes. But Sam Horn is the guy that you bring in in a blowout. In a blowout, just to uh, get him some reps, and you. Yeah, but still 
retain his red shirt. Yeah, I, I, I think Drinkwood said in an interview yesterday they're really happy with where Sam Horn is right now, and, and that he's ahead of where they expected him to be. So that's uh, that's great. I don't think he would just come out and say that to say it. Um, and so that's really encouraging. And, man, I would love to see Sam Horn get in there in, uh, in a blowout, and hopefully we get to see that happen in the first game. Yeah, see it in person. That'd be great. Yeah, I want to see all four quarterbacks. <laughs> get them all game. out there. Uh, let's run away with it in the first quarter and see a new quarterback every quarter. There we go. Oh, gosh. Uh Jack Abraham, poor fella. I don't know. Did we just make a lot of that situation and just for no reason? Or I know they, the coaching staff wanted to bring in a guy to start. I they really won. think, yeah, you know, uh, if if JT Daniels is on this roster, I think he's the starting quarterback. Oh, for sure. Abraham is twenty four, by the way. Twenty four years old. How old is Brady Cook? Like nineteen, probably. He's a young pup. <laughs> yeah, Brady Cook's probably nineteen, twenty. Yeah, we're we're old compared to Jack Abraham. Um, <laughs> yeah, Coach Rink did say you know the guys that were not named the starting quarterback were disappointed, but they are you know all nobody's uh, they all want to still compete and win games and sure. be a part of this team. So I don't think we'll see any fallout from no these guys not winning the starting job until next until the end of this season. Yeah, after the season's over. Yeah. Okay, so uh, interesting scenario that we talked, maybe we touched on last week a little bit, but uh, let's say Brady Cook comes in, he looks, let's just say he looks okay, gets carried by some of the other positions, maybe running backs look good, wide receivers kind of save him a little bit. Missouri wins seven games. Is there any controversy next summer? Yeah, there definitely would be. Uh, Whether that's warranted or not is a different conversation. Yeah. Um, I felt like... I feel like seven wins, a seven and five regular season is the best season so far under uh, Coach Drinkwitz. Um, I haven't completed all of my research for all of the opponents and made my final decisions on predictions, but seven and five seems like probably the most realistic record for this team at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think there absolutely would be a little bit of quarter quarterback controversy amongst in the heads of the fans you know yeah I don't think that would be enough for some people to not be wanting Sam Horn to take over okay yeah what if Sam Horn uh you know gets in like three or four games and looks really good is he just like automatically gonna win that job next year um no um I think he would still have to prove it in the offseason, just like Brady Cook did this year, Sam Horn would have to show in camp and everything that he can do things that Brady Cook can't do. Yeah. And honestly, I think Brady Cook can do things Sam Horn can't do right now uh, running the ball. Probably true. So I think Cook is going to always have that slight advantage in just like overall skill set. Yeah. But you don't, uh, you don't want that to be the difference maker. You want the guy that can make all the throws and is like, you know, a pro level passer right. to, you know, be leading your offense. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like I think Sam Horn's um, probably a much better passer and Tyler Macon's probably a better runner, but Brady Cook has kind of has both going for him in a way. Kind of that balance is what um, makes him attractive uh, yeah. as an option and knows the offense really well. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm going to, I don't want to talk about 
what happens next off season yeah. anymore. I don't, I, and I encourage the fan base to not yeah. dwell too much on uh, what happens. Let's like, if we win seven or more games this year, let's be happy about that. Yeah. I best, mean, just best season under drink so far. Yeah. Just think about where we were this time last year and how different everything is. It's how wild. it's just, there's really no reason to, to speculate too deeply on what, where we're going to be this time next year. Cause who freaking knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But okay, well, uh, Luther Burden over under five hundred receiving yards. Under. And I hate to do this, but I'm Here gonna I'm gonna rain on everybody's Luther Burden parade right now because I don't care how highly rated you are. This is SEC college football, and you just don't come in as a true freshman and dominate. We're recording this, by the way. Just make sure. <laughs> Got this on recording. Okay. I Keep mean, going. even look at uh, Doriel Green Beckham. You know, it took him a year to figure things out. Now, I think uh, with all the incredible physical gifts that Doriel had and, um, yeah, just his off-the-charts athletic ability Mm -hmm. i think luther burden is a more well-rounded wide receiver at this point in their careers um but they're they're different types of players yeah doriel never had to think too hard about what he was doing he could just absolutely out athlete anybody run fast run a slant and yeah he could almost do that on the sec level really yeah but uh yeah i I probably agree with you um to some extent you know luther burden has dominated at the high school level he dominated in that like all-star game he played in but like even that is not they're not truly playing defense in in those types of games like that you'll face at any level of you know college coordination of any college game and uh you know these these teams have had an entire year to learn their defenses and um you know there's just actual scheming that's going on defensive wise and that kind of stuff and in the second luther burden has uh, breakout game the he's going to become the target in the scouting report and yeah I think there's going to be a little bit of, of ups and downs I'm not going to expect Luther Burden to come in and have a thousand yard season this, his freshman year or anything like that I definitely think 500 yards is an attainable mark that he could hit but I'm not I'm not betting any money on it or anything like that okay just put it in perspective a little bit last year all Mizzou quarterbacks passed for a total of three about three thousand yards this honestly more than I thought it might be. Uh, yeah, Bazelak was at 2,500. Um, Dove had 576 yards. Chisholm had 511. Tyler Beatty had 330. Barrett Bannister had 226. J.J. Hester had 225. Chance Looper had 203. Boo Smith, 195. Uh, Mookie Cooper, 194. Dominic Lovett, 173. So, I mean, if I'm proje- if I'm predicting what Luther Burden is going to do this year, I don't think he beats any of those stat lines. Any of them? No. As a, as a true freshman? You don't think he's going to have 170? Sorry, yards? sorry, sorry. I don't think he's the best. I don't oh, think he okay. would have been at the top of okay. that group right there. And that's basically what we're asking for. Yeah is him to uh, come in and immediately be the number one yeah um so i think if we're talking about a luther burden a successful luther burden career at missouri he's here for three seasons and then goes pro Mm -hmm. 
if, if he's not redshirting, then that's the earliest he can go pro is after his true junior season. So I've got him with something like 30 catches for 260 yards and four touchdowns this year. And then, you know, 50 catches for 600 yards and eight touchdowns next year. Mm -hmm. And then when he is fully established as the best wide receiver in the country, 80 catches for a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns. Like that's a, that's a super solid Mizzou career for a wide receiver. Um, it's very rational. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we love Luther Burton. He's uh, incredibly talented. There's a lot of five-star wide receivers that come in and out of uh, college football every year. And I feel like I'm going to get roasted for this take. But You might. I, okay. And maybe you will. When, maybe you should whenever Luther Burton comes out. And I hope so. Has 600 yards. Yes, yes I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, I'm we'll, just saying people will be disappointed if they expect that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly fair to, to – uh, you know, expect to lower your expectations a little bit and be pleasantly surprised if he does come out and, and have 600-plus receiving yards. But I, I would not expect it. And with Dove and Lovett um, out on the field and uh, the depth as well, mm-hmm. I think there's just there's not a need to target him 100 times. Yeah. Yeah. There's, okay. there's just not a – there's no reason to let the defense scheme for him, you know, Spread the ball around. Yeah. Get it to the guy that's open. Go through your progressions. So who's uh, who leads the team in receiving yards? Is that Toski Dove? I think we could see a situation where um, overall Dove and Lovett are similar to Dove and Chisholm last year. Yeah. Where they're just kind of neck and neck all year. One guy has the lead and the other one takes it. Yeah. So I think it's going to be pretty split between those two. If I had to choose... Um, my official prediction would be, I think I even in your poll last week, I chose Dove, but I think I'm going to change my vote to Dominic Lovett. Okay. I like it. But it's, it's very close there for me. Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, Dove is a good receiver and I like him a lot. I also kind of think he's at times kind of had that alpha role just because there's not really anybody else. And I think this may be one of those years where there's a lot more talent in the wide receiver room than that's, that's than has been there, and hopefully some of that talent kind of supersedes the uh, the experience a little bit. And I, w- I would love to see Dominic Lovett and Luther Burden kind of dominate some touches. And I don't know if that's realistic or not, but definitely with Lovett, I think is very real possibility he's wide receiver one. And I do think that uh, Dove is the only guy that we've seen anything close to his ceiling already. I think we saw close to his ceiling last year. That's probably true. And that's, a, that's uh, um, his ceiling is more than enough for this offense. To, yep. Even if he just repeats what he did last year, that would be perfect. All right. Oh, the comments are going to not like that. Luther Burden is going to be very, very good as a Missouri Tiger. Just maybe Gotta not. Got to be patient. Maybe not incredible blowing the doors off as a true freshman maybe he does is he gonna be the punt returner um i uh i hope so definitely could be yeah again uh it's wonderful to have options there yeah there were a few years there where 
we were better off not sending somebody deep. Yeah. Just let it roll into the end zone every time. Just yeah. let, wherever the ball lands, that's where we're going to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Just don't turn uh, it over. At least in my mind, uh, Jonathan Johnson had a pretty solid Mizzou career, but I unfortunately remember him for all the muffed punts. Yeah, I feel like even after he was gone, there was a little stretch where it was like we were sending a new guy back there like every Rashad time. Rashad Floyd was doing it for a yeah. while. and He was he had a touchdown. Yeah, I actually think he was one of the better ones. Yeah, but he got hurt, and then it was like, okay, now what do we do? But I feel like uh, it's going to be pretty solid this year. Yeah, this year probably Luther Burden, Dominic Lovett, Chris Abrams, Drain, any of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised to mm-hmm. see him out back there. Um, Who's going to be the kicker? Who's going to be the kicker? We'll talk special teams next week. Okay, yeah. We'll uh, leave them hanging a little bit. Yeah, that's a little bit of a mystery. A little bit of a tease. Um, offense, anything else? I'm excited. I hope Cook can just get the ball into the hands of these wide receivers. I hope the running backs are serviceable enough. Yeah, I think, I think be, they uh, will be. It's going to be a totally different offense. Not uh, just leaning on one player as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah, Drink has to um, walk the walk, though, with his play calling and everything. I agree. He's said exactly what we want to hear, but now we want to see it on game day. He's very close. I'm so excited. We're just a couple of weeks away. It's kind of crazy that – has there been – like, was literally – is um, Doriel Green Beckham the last player with this much buzz going into their freshman year for Missouri? Surely. Yeah. Just thinking about the fact that Luther Burden's going to be wearing a Missouri Tiger uniform and on the field a lot. Like, there's just some – I think maybe – I don't know. There's just too many waiting, bad things have happened. for this moment for a long yes. time. It just—it doesn't seem real yeah. that we're gonna have a player of that caliber just suiting up every game, yep. just playing for, for the good guys. Three seasons, yeah. All right. Anything else? That's it. All right. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the ten-dollar level and above: Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, and Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>